I'm Luke Young, and this is Dragonheart. Hello, welcome to Dragonheart, your weekly dose of what's good for you. And my goodness, haven't we got something good today as well? I mean, Neil, of course, joins me fresh from the fields. And also, we've got a very special... Sorry if I insulted you there, Neil, but you know it was my intention. And we have a very special guest too, because we'll be chatting to Ian Herbert, author of This Little Beauty, Tinseltown, all about the takeover by Rob and Ryan. And you are going to naturally find lots of different things, as you all know, about Wrexham popping up. But this is not, this is the opposite of bandwagon jumping. I can assure you, Ian, not only is the bona fides as a genuine Wrexham fan, but also, no, you know, I mean, he's too modest to mention himself, but sports journalist of the year 2022 anyone you know this guy actually knows what he's about so um just very kind of you mark it's too kind <laughs> sorry I, I, i'm only <laughs> saying it because it's true <laughs> the key to good pr is there has to be something true behind it um <laughs> so how are, how are you both really, I'm really yeah you mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, likewise i mean just um you know, just uh, I mean, we were together a bit on on Saturday lunchtime, Mark, and uh, sort of won wondering, I think, what what the Grimsby game would hold. Feeling a bit haunted by the fixture, and mm -hmm. I don't know. I just sort of the last couple of weeks just seems to have really things seem to have turned, and we sort of we feel like we're a a League Two ready club now, don't we? We sort of feel like it's our environment now. I don't know whether the Tranmere game was the kickstart or the Bradford game, or but you know, feeling good about that. I disagree. League One's our environment. You'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the highlights of League Two. I started thinking, ooh, I have a real lack of fear of what I'm seeing here. But that's just me being arrogant. And Neil, I mean, is there a pig showing season? Is there is there a good there, place to get pig oil from? Uh, these are the uh, questions we should answer. There is a great place to get pig oil from. <laughs> but you're not telling us. The pig show season is well and truly over now, especially with Matilda. Yeah. Because I think you to give birth any day now. So, yeah, def definitely, definitely over. We were excited on Saturday that Neil was showing us uh, pictures of his heavy, heavily pregnant sow. It was a spectacular sight, I've got to say. <laughs> I couldn't concentrate in the second half after seeing that. <laughs> but anyway. Did she finally give a birth, Neil? Or... And then? Is it a work in progress, or she finally? Is she finally? Uh, no, no, she, week today. Week today. Okay. Okay. Good. As it dropped, I like that very much. I think it's it a week gonna... today. You could sort of do it live, live on the oh. next week's pod. Just a suggestion. Neil, that please on time. Yeah, yeah. Please, please, we got to do that. We got to get a GoPro, and uh, we'll we'll <laughs> you can talk over your shoulder while delivering. That's a better but that's a better GoPro than Ben Foster, isn't it, for sure? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's settled. Next week, live pig birthing. But this week we'll chat about, you know, Grimsby game, the women's game, and you know, maybe a little bit of Tinseltown sprinkled in as well. So welcome everyone to Dragonheart. I'm Amy Davis and this is Dragonheart. Like I said, fabulous special guest that we've got, Ian. So thank you so much for joining us. We genuinely appreciate it. And, you know, we will chat about the last weekend later on. But firstly, I've started Tinseltown. I'm loving it. Um, I've got to say, it's it's... It's a, it's a it's an accurate I think telling you know when there are so many unusual media uh, narratives and cliches thrown in about it. It's nice to see a, a properly written and researched actual document, if you will. Um, how how did you first get into the project? Sure, sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, my family are from Chirk, and I've you know been watching the team since '78, um, and uh, so I suppose in in the last maybe 10 years or so, I've, I've, I've perhaps ebbed and flowed in terms of 
watching the team. I mean, my job's writing about football games and it isn't always Wrexham, unfortunately. So, uh, uh, you know, there's been different times where I've not seen him as much. But, you know, I think it's always there in your heart, isn't it? It's, it never leaves you, really. So, you know, I think obviously there was a wish to try and write about about all that had happened and to understand more about it, to try and get behind it a bit. Um, I should say that I'm very grateful to Sean Harvey for meeting me earlier in that uh, early in that process and being willing to speak to me at great length about you know his perspective on that and and just as importantly to open doors for me to speak to other people um you know and obviously there have been some great conversations with Humphrey with Fleur uh you know with Yuan in the kit room with Charles you know on the on the side of the pitch all that stuff but Sean helped me reach people like Steve Horowitz who um from Inner Circle Sports in New York, who helped us sort of bring the deal about, who I loved spending time with. We, we met um, a couple of times in person, um, once in the mice before the uh, the Boring Wood game, which was great. Uh, and then a couple of times on Zoom, a guy called George Dewey, who's Ryan's business partner, who taught me through a bit more about the business side of it, maximum effort, his and Ryan's firm and a creative agency, whatever you want to call them. And the work that they do that I think Perhaps people know a bit less about, um, but really a lot, a lot of those doors were opened to me by by Sean being willing to sort of uh, see the value in 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 the story being told. So, uh, and 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 then and then I suppose what what then happened was, uh, I mean, I live I only live in Manchester. I'm not far from town, but you know, just I then ended up, you know, in town a lot. You know, just to see people, and you know, so often when you're a supporter who doesn't live in Wrexham or in the area, you know, you just drop in off the A483, go to the Kairas, watch the game, home again. I've not really been in town properly for years, Mark, you know, and um, I just met and just got to know some brilliant people, uh, you know, and I wanted to write about town as well and just try and tell the story of how, you know, there's always been brilliance there. There's always been great people there, people like yourselves, you know, people like Joss at Rectum Lager, you know, people like Mark and, you know, and, and, and others. Uh, yeah, I, I could I could go on and on. Um, but, you know, people who actually make the town work. Um, and um, that was that was brilliant. And then that became part of the story. It's interesting as well for me, because, like I said, it, it does counter some of the sort of lazy media cliches. You know, you see all these headlines, they've always got to put Hollywood. A number of times I I hear, I, whether it's voiceovers on the highlights or whether it's an opposing side's commentator or a national radio commentator next to me in the press box, they've got to work in Hollywood ending at the end. And and for me, it's, it's got nothing to do with that sort of glitzy thing. It's more about what you're talking about. And certainly, I mean, massively, um, Rob's, desire to support a working class community yeah that's right and i think what's quite interesting is is just the way that their kind of philanthropy works you know in 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 town really i mean it's not a question of them putting loads of money into rex and the town it's certainly there's obviously a lot you know they put money into rex and fc and, and and all the benefits that, that comes but you know i just think it's just interesting to see how you know, the fact that people are talking about us and the fact that the TV cameras are here and Americans and Canadians and Australians are here, um, it just makes people people feel better about their place. You know, it gives it gives people a spring in the step. And, um, you know, in all parts of town, you know, rich and poor, really. I mean, that's not to say there isn't some real struggle and some real problems. And, you know, a lot of that is to do with the fact that all that talk about levelling up and all this sort of stuff, it never really came, did it? It never really happened. All the promises that never happened and councils, you know, really, you know, pared down to the bone, you know, and all that stuff. Don't want to get too political here, but, um, you know, um, what was my thread? Um, but I think it just shows, but, 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 you know, people, it's the people, individuals who really make the place work, you know, and, uh, and that's right. I've got back to my thread now. <laughs> but I think what Rob and Ryan have done overall, have just given people, and, and the Rob and Ryan effect, has given people just a bit more love of the place. And they've, 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 it's reminded people what a great town Wrexham is. Uh, absolutely. And, and Neil, I know you would agree with that. You know, you 
you have always been very much a person who's been, uh, you know, representative of and connected to the community of fans, despite, you know, being removed from. I mean, I should say, Ian, this is a man who used to commute to Wrexham games from Cornwall on a regular basis. Res- you know. Respect, respect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And and even now, you know, from Whitchurch, where of course we all know there are no actual tarmac roads, so <laughs> that that in itself is a, is a trek involving car and cart. But <laughs> the um, sorry, sorry, Neil. Sometimes pigs as well. And pigs as absolutely well. They were in the back of the cars, weren't they? Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, Neil. I mean, it, that what Ian is saying rings very true to your and my vision of both the club and the positive that the takeover can do for it. It does. I mean, there's, there's always been a great... I mean, you know, the fan base has always been pretty decent, even during our darkest days, you know, and it was always a great fan base who got stuck in and, and supported the club during that time. And that's what I think Rob and Ryan have seen is is what the fans did in our darkest days to save this club. Um, and yes, they've been in and bought the club, but I don't think they've invested massively in the club. They bought the club, but just them being the owners has created the you know, the interest in the club. I have people in every day. I mean, as I say, I live in over the border in England. But every day I have people speak to me about Wrexham FC. People who, you know, I don't know, but they see the memorabilia in the window, et cetera, et cetera. And they, 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 everybody wants to talk about Wrexham. And it's a lovely, lovely feeling, you know, that even in the ground, when you're at the ground, you see all the, the families there, the, the generation, different generation gap. And everybody's got a smile on their face. And it has brought that wonderful feeling back to, to Wrexham, I mean, it used to be a struggle to go to games years ago, but now it's it's just a it's a lovely, lovely feeling to go to a packed out race course. Everybody's happy, everybody's smiling. We've got a you know great staff there. We work with great people, um, and the fans have always been terrific. The, the fans have always been the heartbeat of the club. You know, to get us through the darkest days, the fans were there to do that, and. That's why I love that Rob and Ryan have seen that, and that's why they've come on board in Wrexham. Yes, it's created so much jealousy amongst other fans, you know, and clubs, um, because they, they call it, you know, oil money, but it's not. I, I mean, Ian may know this more than I do, but I, I can't see Rob and Ryan have invested millions and millions into the club. The club has generated its own funds from, from them being the owners of the club, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you you put it really well. You put it so well, and uh, you know, I just, I just, I do, I do sort of think that um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of sniffiness, isn't there? I mean, outside of Rex and other fans, you know, and and, and, and sort of how how they sort of feel about it, but uh, um, you know, they don't really see it close up, do they? They don't really see close up some some of the benefits. I mean, I think I think what what I, what strikes me about I don't want to jump ahead. Uh, uh, guys, in terms of because it may this not be part of the chronology, but I do think there's a sort of an issue there about how and a challenge there for us in Wrexham to sort of how the overall town benefits from what's happening at the racecourse. Um, um, I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, I, you, you, you sort of look at the, I mean, the retail centre's not not what it might be, you know, and I and I think you know you sort of you want more for that, you want. More for the butcher's market, which I know has been re- refurbished. You want more for Hope Street. You want more kind of. I mean, the number of people who've said to me that Eagles Meadow is kind of not has really kind of slightly destroyed the kind of the retail experience and, and the shopping experience in the middle. So all these sort of things, but there, there does seem to you know it's not very far that drive over the humpback bridge over the railway into town. It's not very far, but sometimes the do the two do seem quite a long way away. You know you. I, you know, you go at the, you get, you go at the ground, you go to the mice green, you go to the fast cork, you go to the game. So I think there's pretty, there's a challenge there for, uh, for, for everyone to sort of, and particularly I suppose for the politicians and the councillors to try and, you know, look at how they can seize that moment, you know, overall economically, if you like, while we've got it, because I mean, Rob and Ryan won't be yeah. here forever. Mm. I think that'll come, Ian. I think as we get bigger and bigger, yeah. I think that'll come, and you know, we have tourists coming to the town week in, week out now, so. And it's not just the town; it's it's a wider North Wales area that it's bringing. Was it the Welsh government came out and said last week it's actually put an extra billion pound into the North Wales economy? Yeah, which is, yeah. is, is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. 
but I think yeah, as well, though, I, I, like you're saying, Ian, that, that it feels to me like it's more, I don't mean this in a pejorative sense, but like opportunistic business uh, men or, and women who are actually yeah. taking advantage of that and, and well done. Good luck to them. Yeah. Example, I mean, beautiful example of that. I mean, the mice go in, their program of events on whole match mornings and afternoons yeah. is just brilliant and quite right. But, you know, it feels to me like it's people, like I said, I, I wasn't trying to use opportunistic in a negative sense at all. I'm, I'm praising them, but it's people with yeah. the nous and the initiative and drive to do that. I think it's a great example. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, actually, you know, you look at the yeah. this season compared with last season. I mean, last season, there was the Wrexham Lager kind of trailer, and we mm. obviously queue it for Wrexham Lager. You get, you get your pint very quickly, but, but now there's... Certainly, the last few weekends, you've got three or four places to get your beer from. Yeah. I think the Wrexham Lager actually sold out um, before the um, uh, the not the Grimsby game, the uh, game before, which I actually went to. I can't remember where we played now. Uh, uh, anyway, in the heat, Doncaster, Doncaster, exactly the Doncaster game. So, but you know, but there's now so that, you know that's expanded out even even in mm. season to season. You've got a number of places you can get your beer. There's a Chevron clothing trailer there. You know, Tim Steele's Chevron clothing. You get there's some really good merchandise there, you know, and it's like that seems to be like a little microcosm of exactly what you say, that people, you know, capitalising, seeing the opportunities there, really, and, uh, you know, fantastic. And the mice itself, the very fact it's there, and it's that decision to make it into the place it is really has been born of of what's happened across the road at, at, at the ground. But I think, like, like I said, maybe... In, relying on entrepreneurs like that booster town there's no question there's a more positive air around town but yeah it maybe be good if and like you say i mean the council's cut to the bone but if if, if there could be some form of unified attempt in the town to make that link shorter you know if you like between the stadium and the you know actually get town itself in a, in a regulated way to to make take more advantage of the football club's High profile, perhaps, I don't know. Yeah, it, it does. It, the two can seem quite a long way away at times, can't mm. they? Really, you know. But uh, um, I mean, I guess that 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 just that just might might take some time. But but in terms, you know, like you know, I've, I I kind of met Leslie Griffiths a few times. I've met Mark Jones a few times. Mm. Um, you know, different sides of a political divide there, but just 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 very dynamic people who who really know town absolutely inside out and. Who do who do great work, and I think that doesn't always come across, perhaps, in this idea that it's all about Robin Ryan. So I think it was. I think there was just that's the bit that surprised me how much of that there was to tell in the book, really. I, I change in tack. Um, <laughs> I was lucky enough to bump into Megan Faringa on at the women's game, and she's the Daily Mail's. Female football main football female football correspondent. By coincidence, yeah. she supports Wrexham, and she has been successful. She was telling me in getting to go to a lot of Wrexham games when they discuss where she's going to go on the weekend for the simple reason that you know the mirror can't get enough of Ryan Reynolds, and therefore they're yeah. happy for her to come to Wrexham rather than maybe a, a Super League game. Um, but. While while she clearly sees it for what it is, um, there's there's a sort of element in national media of cartoon, a sort of cartoonish view of it. I mean, I'm I've seen both sides of this personally with the the Boreham Woods game. I, I Sky News asked me to talk, and they very much they got it. They were they were yeah. really asking the right questions about the actual project. But then we had a how can I put this a certain morning tv program that was just you know bring had cheerleaders and all sorts of, and yeah it, no, people were talking to me about that i've not seen it but around that weekend of the board of good game i think that yeah. must have happened midweek and they were still talking about it on the weekend yeah yeah i've recorded and i've not been able to bring myself to see it yet um yeah i just feel it's going to be horrible but it's still sitting there <laughs> waiting to be watched um you know it's do you find that, you know, just in, in general, is there, you know, there seems to be a dichotomy between the way different media outlets and on a national level actually want to see this story? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think I think it is very, I think in terms of national media, you know, it is, 
it, it is a very simplistic, you know, it is, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there's a very simplistic sort of approach to it, I think, in terms of like, you know, you're trying to grab people's attention. Um, you know, there's a, there's a million stories they could read in all various media, you know, and, and Rob and Ryan are the kind of the, they're the sort of the, the, the way into it in some respects. And, uh, you know, I've seen stories about all kinds of teams, other national league teams, and it's really written with a Rob and Ryan headline on it, you yeah. know, cause it's, that's, that's the way of getting people in to talk about other teams, you know? So, uh, I think that's, that's just the nature of media really. You're just trying to draw people in. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, you know, I think that's what's been great about the book. Really, there has, there has been a sort of chance to just talk in a lot more detail and and, and just try and understand a bit more about the nuts and bolts of it all. But uh, uh, yeah, and, and I and I guess really overall, I'm, I'm I'm kind of getting the impression that there is a bit of fatigue about about the whole story from some people in the UK, you know. But um, the the US, I think, seems to be the bit that's surprised everyone I, I you know I, I get the I really get the feeling it surprised Rob and Ryan a lot as well just about the just the level of interest from the US in in what our town constitutes so um but yeah I think there can be a bit of cartoon cartoonishness about it at times for sure uh, well, well Neil yeah, I mean we are looking at time... sorry sorry Mark. well we're we're lucky, Neil, to, to experience the enthusiasm of the American and Canadian and Australian, New Zealand, the international fans at first hand. It's it's a fantastic, isn't it? Oh, you know there are still fans complaining about it, but I think it's great for the club. It's great for the community. You know, who doesn't want extra fans following your football yeah. club? You know, I, I I can't understand just because people can't get tickets. But hey, we're all fans at the end of the day. Um, can't get to a game, you know, listen to us on the, you know, on, online. I mean, I, I love the enthusiasm of the American fans and how much they've got, you know, engrossed in the football club and the community and how they love coming over to Wrexham. I think it's fantastic. And I think that itself is a fantastic story. Mm-hmm. That they feel so welcomed in Wrexham and see, feel so, so at home at Wrexham. Um, but the majority we, we hear from Mark say, you know, yes, they've watched the documentary, but... Mm-hmm. You know the likes of yourself, and the you know the the team that does all the commentary have actually brought them into and felt more more part of the club than than just watching the documentary. And I think it's a it's a lovely feeling to have. And to you know the people who come and see you, Mark, in the you know in the, in the commentary box oh, and the Americans is is just a great great story. And I, I think perhaps you know if they do another doc documentary they're missing that little bit you know and i think that'd be great for other people to see you know around the world i think i think that it's interesting you bring up the women's team though because you know i think that you know that i mean I spent i had a really good sort of chat with Gemma rowan for the for the part of the book that talks about that team and you know i think what's interesting about that side of it is that it didn't really require an awful lot of investment in the women's team to really take them onto another level and see them you know, you know, promoted through through that playoff. Um, you know, and to now find them up against, you know, Cardiff, Swansea, Aberyst with all these all the all these all these sites. But I mean it it was just a question of, you know, making them feel cared for a bit more and actually allow you know, giving them just the basics of not having to pay their own travel. And it was just you just just it didn't really take an awful lot. And I think um, you know, Gemma tells a great story about a, a, a home game uh, I think it was against Landidno in the in the in the I think it was last season, you know. And word gets out that um, that Rob's at the ground, and suddenly loads of people start coming through just by word of mouth, really. And um, and then that obviously led into the weekend where we had nine and a half thousand watched him play Ski. But it was soft touch stuff, really. It didn't require an awful lot of uh, you know investment, and it wasn't it wasn't crass. It was it didn't take a lot. And some of the great stories, and I think that's the other part. You know, Neil mentioned before about all the the different sorts of people you encounter at the race course, and um, and I think that's that's what's that was one of the beauties of, of and the joys of writing the book was that you know you ended up with you know there were just people who kind of almost like came into the manuscript, came into the into the story. You know, like like Gemma, Maxine Hughes, mm. uh, Leslie, who I mentioned, uh, Fleur, obviously. 
uh, Lily Jones. Um, you know, just it became a story about not just blokes like us, you know, and that wasn't forced. That just, it, it, you know, there are just an awful lot of women who are part of that story. And that's just a just a great thing to be able to tell. You feel like you're telling, you're writing about something which is quite progressive and modern and mm. inclusive, really. Yeah, exactly so. Um, I, I, I need to just say, Neil, I'd like to present you with the plug of the season for three times bringing up our commentary in one answer. I thought that was utterly magnificent. So so very well done to you there. Um, and of course, everyone, you can you can join Neil and I live from Edgley Park from about half past two on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, it is such a, a lovely human story on a human level. And and as you know, Neil, that that's the thing that we kept being told by the international fans. They they got an interest through the Welcome to Axum show. Those who wanted to continue that, we were the only game in town at the time. And luckily, our style of commentary, I think, suits people who are looking for a community-based story, which is what the show was. But um, no, it's it's been... <coughs> A remarkable experience, and I just have to ask you, Ian. I, I don't, I don't wish to put you on the spot. When people do this to me, I freeze and think I can't think of an example. But so you can, you can take this broadly if you wish. But in the course of researching and writing the book, was there anything that really surprised you? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um... <laughs> if you want, if not then it's a bad question. No, no, there was a lot that surprised <laughs> me. Yeah, there was a lot that surprised me. You know what? I, I didn't really quite understand the story of mm. Rex and Lager, you know. I didn't understand the story of how, you know, they were, they 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 joined up with Bootlecker. You know, Joss at Rex and Lager had the, had the kind of presence of mind to involve Bootlegger. Mm. They launched the Bootlegger Lager. Then it was locked down. And then, and then suddenly they decide to start selling, really, you know, with Joss, an important part of it, to sell direct. Mm. And they literally were overwhelmed with orders. You know, they didn't even have the means of distribution. So I think that I think that was, um, you know, that was a, you know, that that was that was a real surprise to me. I think it was, you know, perhaps you know because it's a story outside of the club, um, maybe it's sort of rather fitting in some respects. Mm. Um, I didn't really understand a lot about maximum effort, I should say. I don't know whether, you know, listeners, viewers follow that, but that really surprised me. I didn't really know much about George, for example, and just about the way that they, just about the way they, you know, the E4 Williams trailers, you know, film and the the Fergie film and the, you know, uh, the FIFA EA Sports film, you know, yeah. just like the actual creative engine behind all that. I thought that was, I thought that was, that was really interesting and uh just in a very important part of how all that works, of how, how the whole Wrexham story had worked. Well, that's something that comes across really well, the, the nitty-gritty and detail, as well as the, the flowing narrative in Tinseltown. And, uh, well, all I can say is it's available from all good bookstores, but it's also <laughs> available from bad bookstores. It doesn't matter which bookstore you get it from, it's still the same it's town. Good or bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I never understood that phrase, good bookstores. I should um, say that there's a really great bookshop in Oswald Street, which is called uh, Booker. I don't know if you guys have come across that place, but uh, it's an indie bookstore, B O O K A, and uh, I signed a load of books in there because it's my favourite bookshop in the world. And uh, if you're going to buy any copies of Tinseltown, I haven't got a plug to hand, uh, <laughs> but uh, that's a good place because they've got some great, they've got some great stuff on their website and, and, and in the store. There we are. Well, that's brilliant. Well, we'll be back after this, and we'll cling on to Ian so we can actually talk about what was going on at the weekend at the club. I'm Steve Dale, and this is Dragonheart. Well, uh, it's fortunate for us three, because we now get to talk about the most important, or most impressive performance, rather, of the season so far, I think. Grimsby Town on Saturday. We were all there, and I'm sure we all laughed our heads off. It was terrific, that, wasn't it? I mean, it was a haunting before, wasn't it? Because it was just, uh, yeah, it just felt like there was, uh, I don't know, there was, there was some kind of retribution was required, wasn't it, really? And it was, uh, it just got better and better. I don't know what you guys thought. I just thought it got, second half was mm. even better, really. Um, great, great game. 
yeah, our best performance of the season. Like a lot of people, I think I was a bit anxious before the game because Boom's being a very good team. I I felt that we owed them one from that uh, semi-final playoff where they, they beat us 5-4. So, uh, yeah, I really wasn't looking forward to the game, but so impressed with Wrexham on Saturday, as Mark said. I think it was our most impressive game of the season. Complete game, 90 minutes, non-stop, and they could have been 5-6-0 easily. Well, looking at the, the after the game when I was packing up, uh, the BBC reporter, from the local reporter from Grimsby, who I, I recognised him, but his name I didn't recognise him. I'm sure he's an ex-pro. Uh, he he said two things to me. One is, oh well, you should be going up this season, and then the second thing, which I thought was quite telling, especially considering that Grimsby are a decent team, was mm. uh, none of the Grimsby players would get into your team. And I thought that was, you know, for somebody who knew yeah. what he was talking about, I thought that was quite a, quite a telling comment. But we really yeah. looked impressive, didn't we? I just think McLean, to me, seemed like from the minute he first came on against Bradford, it was the first time I'd sort of seen him, really. He just looked like he was going to be, he is going to be a real player for us. I mean, he just brings that physicality. He just brings that sort of, that just sense of knowledge, you know, you know that kind of, you know, he knows... He know he knows what the combination play can be like with I could just see a lot of combination play between him, Elliot Lee, you know, maybe, and they were already doing a bit of that on Saturday. And uh yeah, he just seems to be such a physical strength, such a physical force, but just got such a brain on him, really. Um and that to me that to me was a massive difference. You know, I, I like to some at first half a couple of really beautiful goals, I thought. Yeah, um, you know, of a similar nature. So brilliant. And then second half, Stephen Fletcher, I just thought, you know, again, players I've not really paid that much attention to over the years, but I just thought, you know, what what a what a performance. You know, what those little tricks and the 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 overhead and again, Mullin and Fletcher, that just feels to me like, you know, such a combination. I don't know mm. what your take is on how fit he'll be or when he might be ready for a full 90 minutes. But, you know, that just seems like a real combination to me. A couple of players who really know the game and, you know, they they really see, they, you know, they really see the pictures. You know, they really see where they need to be and where the opportunities are going to present themselves. Yeah, the, I mean, when Fletcher came on, he really was a catalyst as well to the, the real yeah. Harlem Globetrotters stuff that we were playing. But like you say, yeah. it's... It's about good players who have good groundings at a high level, who know what runs, what moves are possible, what play, good players are likely to do, where space will be. Um, I saw Andy Morrell afterwards, didn't we, Neil? And I was saying to him, it reminded me of when Glenn Little would come on late on when Morrell yeah. was manager. And you could just see players wanted to play with him and combine with him because he would make these intelligent runs that made the next pass easy. And you just see them all gravitating towards him and looking to combine. And Fletcher reminds me a little bit of that. It's just, you know, Elliot Lee's like, oh, I can play with my friend now. <laughs> you know, so back. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Oh, you so were talking it... before about the surprising things, you know, the things that mm. certainly personally I didn't really expect. And, you know, I, I actually didn't really foresee that we would have these signings, you know, that would, you know, boil who I think is great, Will Boyle, I think is great, McLean and and Fletcher. I sort of thought that I had this kind of idea, because partly speaking to to Les Reed, you know, at some length for the book already, that we kind of bought a team that was kind of League Two ready, really. And, and obviously there was that, there was then that, that MK Dons game, which I saw on the stream, I was abroad at the time with work, but, and it was such a jolt to the system, really, that game, which made you think, you know, have we underestimated this? So I, I actually didn't anticipate we were going to have these new players who are taking us on to another level again. I, I'm not I'm not actually sure what your take is on whether that is a response to events or whether that was always going to happen. But, you know, we they have taken us to another level, I think. Yeah. I think there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to suggest it was a reaction to that start of the season. That's interesting. Like having... That's interesting. You know, at least three. Like we got three unregistered players, who I I suspect it wasn't the plan. Certainly, Waters, who starts the first game of the season, to have them unregistered. You know, what six games in? Um, yeah, I mean, we, I think you and I were talking about this on Saturday. I mean, Waters is 
a real surprise because I you know you know I, I sort of anticipated him being the kind of the player who was almost sort of there in in readiness for League Two. You know, we didn't really yeah. need him that much, but uh, yeah, I mean, suddenly he's out of the picture. Incredible, really. I mean, part of the complication for him, of course, Neil, is that Bickerstaff has grasped his opportunity with both hands when that was definitely the idea to loan him out, isn't it? Yeah, Bickerstaff, for me, he's impressed me, young lad. He came up, first time I saw him, we were altering him away last year in the in the Coke, whatever it was, the, the Silly Cup. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and they beat us. But, uh, yeah, he's impressed me with his skill. His maturity for his age, you know, and I think well, he's got a great teacher in Mullin, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, we certainly missed Mullin in the first couple of games. But myself and mys- um, myself and you, Mark, we've said, haven't we? I think the big problem at the beginning of the season was was lack of match practice for the for the team. And you know, we we've all been to America, got back, and you, you feel lousy for three or four days, and we were only back for a week, and we started the season, you know, so. Not good timing. Yes, we need to get out to America for the, for the American fans, but uh, I think that was our problem. I think we already had a League Two squad already there, the way we played last year. And um, I mean, we don't need to sell this to these players. You know, they see what's happening at Wrexham, and you know they're all happy to come to Wrexham because of the story, because of the vision of the club, and obviously Rob and Ryan. But um, that's why a lot of these players are coming. You know. They see what's going on there. They see, you know, the, every, you know, it's, it's all over the media. Every wherever you go, it's all about Wrexham. So there's not much selling to do on these players, and and for them to come in and and play for Wrexham, yeah, all three of them added a new dimension. And I thought Fletcher on Saturday just second half. You know, we 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 go a bit quieter, but we dominated that game for 90 minutes on Saturday. Yes, Grimsby had a few times where. You know, they'd pass it intricately between them along the back four, but they couldn't penetrate our defence. And they ran out of ideas and went for the long ball and didn't trouble Howard in the goal very little. And but Fletcher is a different different one again. It, as you say, Ian, I think Fletcher and Mullen together on the pitch would be, I can't wait to see, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm great just... to see Mark Howard, though, isn't it? The, yeah. The way he's come sort of back into play and... You know, I just think uh, he's 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 been great, hasn't he? A real a real player, and I mean that's just kind of you know it's justified in a sense that I don't know there's something sort of fitting about it because he he was so class, wasn't he, when Foster came in? Yeah, you know he he he, he sort of dealt with that so well. Um, so that's great to see, and and the and the Super Mark Howard in goal song, and you know I just think that's really sweet, really sweet for him and. You know, fair play, good on him. He's always come across as as a good bloke um, and a, a genuine professional. And I think his podcast shows yeah. that. And I just feel, you know, when I heard that Foster was coming in, I thought, well, Howard's dead now. That that will finish him. Yeah, how do you, totally. You know, how do, how's he going to recover from that now? He's dropped down to national league yeah. level. He's lost his place. Um, he comes back in with Lington Ginger, has a rough game. Ben Foster immediately thrown into the club, and I thought that's the end of him now. I mean. But I felt all last season was his confidence quite there. I, I know I shouldn't say that. I don't like when people read body language or you know try and assume about confidence. But I think I was right because to bounce back like this is amazing. To bounce back and his levels are higher than at any point I think last season. And I was quite happy with him last season. But yeah. he just looks sharp. He looks confident. He he looks happy <clears throat> in his own skin, if you will, or happy in his yeah. all fluorescent highlighter kit um he's he's just he's he's really on it and people were talking about yeah. bringing another keeper in and i think a concourse got something but there's no necessity to rush him into the side because howard's looking rock solid isn't he yeah it's a great story mm. what we to forget is howard played 33 games for us last season you know hence yeah. we were where we were in the league exactly um as you say, Mark, I think he's at another level again this season. And maybe Foster helped him with that. But you can see confidence oozing out of the team at the moment, across the pitch, defence. And, and you know, if you've got a good defence and the defence have confidence in the keeper, then that shows on the pitch. Absolutely yeah. right. I, I think as well that, uh, like, like you were saying, Ian, about the his reaction to Foster's arrival, 
um, was fabulous. That podcast between the two of them. Yeah, that was an amazing pod, wasn't it? Yeah, incredible, yeah. isn't it? Really incredible. Yeah. And I think that you know you make your own look. To have a mentality yeah. like that, you know, like you say, Neil, whether he's learned from Foster or whether whatever it is, you need a really superb mentality to have been replaced like that and to bounce back stronger. You know, it's 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 a terrific resilience. It's it's terrific mentality just in terms of well, that, that whole story he told, didn't he? About um I I heard as I had his kids. Uh, performance in school. Was and he, then the Christ- he was the, yeah, the, yeah, he was at a school event, yeah. wasn't he, or something? A Christmas uh, school yeah. uh, drama uh, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to respond by saying that's brilliant news because it'll help us win the league. Yeah, great. Yeah. And and he clearly was not saying that to sound good. Because well, I've covered you know, sort of football for fifteen years, you know, for for the papers, and, and I, I don't remember a kind of a reaction. You know, quite like that. I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously, some people are classier than others. Some people have got a bit of humility. Others haven't. But I don't mm-hmm. remember a, a kind of a you know anything quite like that in terms of the way he responded. You know, the, the way he responded to that. I think it's as you say, real class. And especially for a goalkeeper, where there's no way he's going to slot to another position. Yeah. You know, he's he's got no way into the team. And when Foster agreed to carry on playing, he could have been just playing. You know, EFL trophy games for the next season. He's in his, he's past yeah. midway in the, through the thirties, but yet there he is. You know, yeah. being happy for it. I mean, when I was a fa- I'm a failed goalkeeper, and I certainly wouldn't have reacted like that. I mean, I would constantly, you know, poison the other goalkeeper's tea and things <laughs> like that. I used to enjoy that sort of stuff. It was a godsend when they brought in um, traffic cameras because I, I, I found that rather than actually, you know, sort of poisoning people, I could actually make fake. Um, sort of pictures alter the tie, the t- the speed on it, and then get them locked up, uh, and that was much you know, <laughs> as a m- lower impact. That and it's I never saw you as that Machiavellian type, really. But I mean, now it's all it's all starting to fit together in my oh. mind now. But... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Neil. You yeah. won't believe what happened to the previous co commentators with me. Maybe I shouldn't tell you about that, but no, no, you'll, no, find, no. you'll find out. I'm um, sure I will. But I think going back to to, to the team, and I think. We've got to take a hat off and give credit to Parky for his yeah. recruitment, really. Um, I think he's brought in the right kind of players, the right temperament. There's no prima donnas out there. And I think that's what's great about this team, that they, they are a team and they all play together. And I think that's all credit to Phil Parkinson for the players that he's actually brought into the club. Yeah, absolutely right. And by the way, I, I did have a quick look. You are saying about Fletcher, like what level of fitness could he get to? Yeah. Um, and I am a little wary now in that, you know, Parkson said before he came on for his debut that he was a little concerned he'd had so little preseason he could actually get injured just trying to get up to get up to speed when he's nowhere near that yet. But encouragingly, last season he did start 35 games in the Scottish Premier well, League. So clearly it's not I, I don't think it's a Glenn Little case of his legs have gone, but he can make contributions from the bench. Yeah, good. I think it's that once we get his pre-season legs in him, he should be able to be starting every week. So yeah, That's encouraging, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll leave Grimsby behind for the moment. It's tragic to leave Grimsby behind, isn't it? Although I will say it's the only place I've ever been flashed um, walking down the waterfront from a, from a victory at Grimsby. So, you know, a double Goodness bonus. Me. A hen party was walking up in the other direction. They seemed quite boisterous, and all I can say is one of them really, really was. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I just I wish I wish that had been sort of live on commentary. And I would like to that could have been that would have gone viral. I mean, not the not the the pictures I hasten to add. Yeah. But your reaction would have been interesting. The reverse angle would have been the angle to say. You know what? I'm realizing now, telling you that I see, I have a vague recollection that I said something that I thought was brilliant, and I can't remember what it was. But I managed to be casual about it and just say something, oh, I don't know, something so fabulous that it's gone out of my head completely. Just trust I me. But it was great at the time. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Brilliant. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll we'll move on for that. And in a moment, we'll have a chat about the entry of the women's team to the top level of Welsh football. I'm Mia Roberts, and this is Dragon.
welcome back. And we're going to have a chat about the Wrexham women's team. Had a historic day on Sunday and a fabulous day on Sunday as well. First game in the top level of Welsh football. I think it's fair to say that despite the brilliant performance of that team over the last two years, it was still a real step into the unknown and facing a team like Swansea, who were always in the top two, who came second last year, who were playing in the Champions League last year, had Welsh internationals in the squad. There was a real sense of, okay, how big will this step up be? And (coughs) the fact that we drew three all, and only because they scored a massively deflected shot in the 94th minute, I think says everything you need to know about the level of performance that we put in. We were 2 nil up with 15 minutes left, and it was absolutely terrific. Um, it's it's a wonderful thing that the women's team is getting this injection because, quite frankly, I think there's scope for the women's team to be pulling Welsh women's football along with it, with the momentum that they've got behind them. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think the <clears throat> seemed to me that the sort of semi-professional, them going semi-pro was, uh, you know, was a really big development for them. And I think it could, there's a feeling that it could bring you know, a lot of other clubs in the in the northwest of England as well into into play really is, you know, once are going to have to, you know, raise that bar as well. And as more clubs do, then, you know, the ones who have will be able to sort of, will, will be, you know, there's a risk to the, the clubs who don't, that will that they'll get, they'll lose their players. But mm. uh, fantastic. And I just, I just sort of think some of those fixtures, I mean, some of my mates in South Wales are already talking about, the Cardiff v Wrexham game down there. I know obviously the game, the home game is up here, isn't it? In a couple of weeks, but uh, you know we've had some. There obviously been some great, some great games. You know within within the level that we've been playing, but there's some real mouth-watering fixtures there. I think, and that it just really feels like the, the women's team advancing so well. And um, you know it must be Owen who was there right at the outset in the WST days when. They were just trying to start. It was, the, it was the supporters' trust who, you know, put, you know, wanted her to go into schools and mm. begin to sort of give girls in Wrexham schools and perhaps a bit beyond a feel for, you know, what being what playing football might look like for them. But it was a possibility, and just great for her that she's been there all the way through that, and now she sees us playing against the very best in the country. Yeah, well-deserved reward to a lot of people who have done an awful lot of work above and beyond what you would expect them to do. And Gem is a great example. And it's there's, there's a nice localness about it, if you will. It's still a lot of the players locally based. Um, there were two debutants on Sunday. That, that, you know, there have been like five signings in the summer, which all were judicious. And I think all of them, when you look at their bona fides, you think, oh, yeah, we're bringing in players who are used to playing at a higher level. Um, and yeah, I can still say to a girl who was asking me in school on Monday uh, about, oh, you know, just generally talking about the girls team and me saying, you know, that woman who comes in and goes to coaching sessions in school, that's the woman in charge of Wrexham football. And she was really fascinated by that. There's a yeah, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's more human level, if you will. If you will and yeah, it, it's great. The atmosphere at those games is fabulous. It's a, it's a different fan set, if you will, to the, the men's team. Well, there's some overlap, obviously. Yeah. But it's just, there's a, there's a real sense of positivity and and localness, like I say, about it. There's a real community feel. It's, it's yeah. very nice. It's pleasant. It's great you're doing the commentaries as well. I think that's really good. That's I'm, really good. That will bring an awful lot more people yeah. in touch with that, I think. Great that you're doing that. My, my hope, um, uh, uh, which, you know, we'd love to see, I just like to have be able to give the same level of coverage of the women's team. So commentary, I did the podcasts. I, I'd like to have an equivalent of this show as well. I've chatted to Gemma about it as well, and she's very, very positive. Um, yes. So, I'd like, but because we are a football club, we're not a football team, and yeah, sure. the women's setup is a part of it. And I've got to say that's something the American fans, particularly or North American fans, should I say, have been very keen on because. You know, the MLS really plays second fiddle to the women's yeah. game yeah. in the States. And I think that, you know, they were a, a little confused as to why mm. there wasn't the same level of coverage of the Wrexham women's team. Now, I think it was understandable, but now we're in the top division where there have to be facilities in place are all the grounds. It's a great chance to take advantage of that, I feel. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
some real mouth-watering fixtures Ooh, yeah. um, ahead. Really good. And also, you imagine that you know, more and more of our players are going to be pushing in for the the Wales team as well. And uh, great to see. And, and a great standard of football. Really good. You know. Yeah, absolutely. It's only one player in the Welsh current squad who actually plays in the Welsh League, which is something that I'd love to see us be able to address. And yeah. I think we could be uh, the leaders in a lot of way in pulling Welsh women's football forwards, not least because Cardiff and Swansea would not like us being the upstarts that take it more seriously than them. And so no, that's great. And I think that's all part of that process. You know, yeah. once once one team goes sort of semi-pro and mm. you know gives those players a chance to <laughs> have to work, you know, on the day job less and spend more time committed to the actual football side, then everyone else wants to kind of, you know, keep up with that. And I think that's 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 mm. the way it'll probably work, isn't it? Brilliant. I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, Neil, we were at the Connors Key game, weren't we, with that phenomenal crowd. And you know, it was a great atmosphere, great experience. It just shows that audience for the women's team, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely there, Mark. I mean, it was great. There was, you know, lots of families there at the, at the Connors Key game. And I, I didn't hear the crowd on Sunday, but there was a looked a decent crowd there on yeah. Sunday for the first first game. And uh, just a shame they, they they lost it to that equaliser, you know, and it's such late on. I mean, they were dominating the game. I did watch it live on, on S4C. So uh, I thought Wrexham dominated that game. And I couldn't quite, I missed out what actually happened to the Wrexham goalkeeper that they were saying she had yeah. cramp and hence they oh. scored their second goal. Um, but she must have been injured, I, I assume, yeah. because you wouldn't, you wouldn't get cramp in a game when you're a goalkeeper, I the thought. But, yeah, it was such a tough first game for them, to be honest. But yeah. to come out was a 3 or draw. But I'm sure those players will have thought that they've actually lost because, you know, they were so dominant, 2-0 up. Then went 3-2 up after Swansea equalised. And, um, yeah, a great a great advert for, for women's football in, in North Wales and in Wrexham. And... Uh, you know, if that's what we're going to look forward to the season, it's going to be a good season again for the women's team as well. Well, strangely enough, actually, Del Morgan did have cramp initially, but that was about 10 minutes before the incident that made her go off the pitch. Uh, there were quite a few players getting cramp on both sides, and I think it was a combination of, you know, although it's 4G, it was quite slick. There was quite heavy rain just around kickoff, and I think that did make... You know, just the, just the going a little tougher. And then also, there were nine minutes added time in the first half, 11 yeah. in the second. And this all obviously links in with the whole point that FIFPRO are making about added time. They played 110 minutes, first game of the season, when they're probably not yeah, fully up and running. Uh, and they've got jobs to do as well. You know, they'd return semi-pro. Yeah. And yeah. I, a lot of players on both teams looked very tired. We were, looked a bit more tired than them. And I think we sat, we just out of necessity sat a bit deep. But in terms of the actual injury, Noah, it looks to be a knee injury. I hope it's not too serious. It looked serious. And I think it was just that she, when she was kicking off, her knee went from under her. Um, after the game, she was hobbling terribly badly. I mean, at one point, I was I felt hopeful because the team had the huddle. She was out there. And at one point, she she was trying to do a bit of a stretch. And I thought, okay, that makes me think it is muscular or cramp rather than something serious. But then she was hobbling. I mean, really hobbling. She could barely move. Um, did they have a really... reserve keeper on, Mark? Or was yes. it an outfield yeah. player? They did. So, so we bought a reserve keeper um, in the summer. So she got a bit of a surprise debut. But yeah. then she's unlucky. I mean, the first, the second goal is a... a Really good strike from the edge of the box. Oh yeah, and then yeah. the third one is a is a an Andreas <laughs> Bremer 1990 World Cup semi final goal. And we just just smashed it against the defender, went 20 feet up in the air, in the opposite direction, and dropped just under the bar. Unsavable. Um, she made a good save right at the end of the 10 minutes of added time, 11 minutes rather, at a player's feet. So we would have lost it. But uh, yeah, it was a rotten way to make your debut, really coming on like that. Yeah. But it was great. It was really enjoyable. Well done, Neil, for not mentioning Vuvuzelas when I mentioned that Connors key match. Um, you remember the Vuvuzela? I certainly do. They were literally ten foot away from us, weren't they? Yeah, and we couldn't hear each other speak, could we? And they were from Connors Key as well. It was quite something. Um, <laughs> and we were getting quite grumpy in commentary. I'd always think, "Don't do that. Don't start." You know, 
Oh, uh, you know, first world problems. Oh, I'm commentating on a football match. Okay, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a noise yeah. in the background. You know, <laughs> I don't like that sort of thing at all. But it did drive me absolutely insane. Maybe <laughs> that wasn't that was the most angry commentary I'd done since Crawley. Steve Evans's Crawley came uh, against Dean Saunders' collection of Premier League on loan teenagers, and they just systematically kicked Ryan Flynn. They took it in turns to kick him and kick him. It's so obvious what they're doing because they knew he was the good one. <laughs> and I was so angry that I banged the desk when Ryan Flynn was he was take he was cut in half. By some hairy backsided twenty stone bloke, um, and, and the, the Crawley commentator next to me, he put my back up a little bit as well. If I'm honest with you, and Steve Evans as well. Don't get me started on Steve Evans. No, the Crawley manager, not the player, extra excellent player. Yeah. And I was so annoyed at that challenge that I banged my desk really hard while commentating, <laughs> probably a little bit too close to where he was set up. Than that I should. I, it wasn't pretty, and I'm not proud of it. And yet here I am telling everyone that I did it. I'm sorry. I'm praying for absolution there. <laughs> the um, look into a further afield, and somehow amazingly, not mentioning that Swansea's coach got stuck in the entrance of the car park and was only extricated in the 105th minute of the match. Uh, all the Wrexham players of the park in the streets, I ended up being a traffic warden. That was quite an experience before the match. It's better than plugging all the equipment in. Um, we've also got the Stockport game to look forward to as well on Saturday. Stockport got a good away result at MK Dons on Saturday as well. So it could be a bit tasty. It's like a really good assessment of, 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 uh, of where we're at, doesn't it, really? I mean, and there's sort of some symmetry, isn't it, I think, between us and them in, in, in that they... They started their first season back up in the league slightly sluggishly, didn't they? And I think, uh, you know, they probably, there were changes in that squad as well, weren't there, when they went up? So, and it just it just really is almost like the signature game of that of fixture, isn't it, of that first Parky season? You know, the the trophy, the trophy semi-final, the, the league game we won 3-0, you know, in which we briefly thought we might catch up with them. And, and I suppose also the... I do remember being at that, so the two one away defeat where we scored early through Mullin and then just kind of just lost it, didn't we? Really? So uh, there's a real there's a real sort of colour and significance about that fixture, isn't there? Now I think you could see us and them being, you know, rivals for years to come, really. Yeah, and throw not counting is that mixed too. It reminds me of when I was exactly. a kid in the nineties when you you had Wrexham, oh. Crew, Stockport, and Tranmere all upwardly mobile in the Lord yeah, Division. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real tasty yeah. games. But uh, we'll be commenting yeah. on that one, Neil. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we will, Mark. Yeah, and then I think it's I think Stockport a little bit worried based on the number of uh, tickets they've actually given us for this game. I mean, they've only given us about nine hundred. Yeah, they've not given so us I the space behind the goal, about... have they? Very surprising. They're, no, no, no. When they're saying that the the home fans going there, well, the last game I saw them playing on television, mm. that whole away end was empty. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, and there was a Stockport fan on on social media today complaining, "Oh, Wrexham can only bring nine hundred fans, not knowing that you know that's all that we've been given." Which I think is a real. I mean, are we going to give them the same treatment when they come to Wrexham? I don't know. I mean, there was quite a lot. I do remember there was a lot of trouble after that game. There was some really bad scenes involving involving our fans. It should be said mm. around that big roundabout near the near the uh, near the ground, and there were like you know there were some scenes with the police there. Really ugly, really ugly scenes. So. I don't know whether that comes it comes into play at all, yeah. but there was a minority that day who didn't really cover themselves in glory. It has to be said, <laughs> and the same has happened at Stockport previously. But uh, yeah, well, let's hope we cover ourselves in glory on and off the pitch. On really Saturday. hope so. Yeah, yeah. Well, we better wrap it up, chaps. Time is running out. So uh, can I just say, Ian, thank you so much for joining it. Us, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on. I, you know, I love the stuff you do. So it's a real privilege to be on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, Neil. For not mentioning, and just like that, the time limits kicked in on our Zoom call because never let it be said that I'm a generous man. I'm a skinflint, and I'm not paying extra for those unlimited Zoom call things. And normally I get away with it, but on this time, I'm afraid my shameful love of money and my lack of professionalism has been exposed. Never ever accuse me of being professional because I am not and I never will be. So, 
with the final score of Ian Herbert 1, Neil Williams 1, Mark Griffiths 1. This is Dragonheart. I don't know what that one, one, one thing meant. But like I said, I've never been professional. I am not professional. And I never will be. I'm Tommy Cows, and this is Dragonheart. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah.